It's December 30th, 2015, and you're listening to the Beer Temple Insiders Roundtable. Hello, and welcome to the Beer Temple Insiders Roundtable. I am your host, Chris Quinn, coming to you, as always, from the co-prosperity sphere here in Bridgeport, Chicago. Thanks, as always, to Lumpin' Radio and its fearless leader, Logan Bay, for having us on the air. And uh, Happy New Year to everyone. By the time most people are hearing this, it's going to be 2016, but we're doing it a day early here. It's the, the 30th. It's New Year's Eve Eve here in Studio B, which is becoming ever more studio-like. Um, and it's very exciting. Got a, a fun panel here, and uh, we're going to get going. But first, let me just explain that the goal of the show is to open up a window into how the people making, selling, marketing, and facilitating the beer getting into your glass feel about the topics that are part of their everyday lives. Many of my greatest beer experiences have been talking about beer while sharing beer with people whose opinions I respect and admire, and it's these experiences that I hope to capture with the Insiders Roundtable. And uh, yeah, I mean, let's get right into it. I'm kind of, it's, uh, yeah, uh, I guess a milestone just in in general, because it's the last episode of uh, 2015, so it's kind of uh, exciting. So we're going to just kind of do a little bit of a a year in review, and we brought back some, uh, some really, some of our favorite guests panelists and three your three favorite guests <laughs> yes of all of time entire, yeah mm-hmm. and then edmar will show up yeah exactly yeah, perfect. Well, luckily most of the guests don't listen to the show and they won't know that i said this wait so. this is getting recorded and you can listen to it uh yes you can listen mm-hmm. on itunes good to know. and uh two of the three guests are show number one guests og as og <laughs> as it gets man that's right, original guest. Yeah, why don't you? Uh, uh, why don't you? Uh, That's start what I thought Mr. that meant. <laughs> yeah, it does. It always has. Uh-huh. Uh, Mike Strong. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's as you. Far as WGN is concerned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's up, man? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute since I've been on here. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, what's new? Uh, not too much. Went went home for uh, for Christmas, which was nice. Saw the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice Connecticut, right? Yep. East Coast. East Coast. Yeah. Nice. I'll be going there next week. Nice. Yeah, it's perfect. Both my kids are um, now sick and getting sicker. Wonderful. Timing. You're is, doing a great job. Perfect. As a parent. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Can't <laughs> wait for that flight. Um, and to your left is the green lady herself, Melanie Dominguez. How are you? I'm good. Welcome Thanks back. for having me back. Yeah. Right. I'm not an OG, but you no, know, you're OG enough. I'm TGL. <laughs> What's, what's TGL? The Green Lady. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on, <laughs> Yeah. Get an Urban Dictionary. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll look it up afterwards. Mike. oh, my God. Is that's that what she considers herself? Oh. Okay. Didn't know she was into that. Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong. <laughs> uh, 
what's new with you? How have things been? Things are good. It's things also been a good. while since you've been on the show. It has. Thanks for having me back for the final show of the year. Yeah. Excited to be here. Yeah. Ring in the new year. Mm-hmm. Everything going going good at TGL? Yeah, things are good. Things are nice. good. Just getting ready for our New Year's Eve and yeah. bringing in the Are you year. doing like a, a thing or just... No, no, we don't ever do a thing. No yeah. cover, no package, no shenanigans. Yeah, I'm you can just go in and beer. buy some beer. Yeah, you just go in and drink beer. We'll probably do Sounds a pretty good. toast of big hugs or oh, that's cool. Bourbon County. We always do a a beer toast. Yeah, a nice. beer toast. So, nice. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk about that in a moment. But that is, I was trying to think what. Well, whatever. Matarata, we'll introduce you formally in a moment, but I want to say that that's the other person who's talking. Very, very OG and, and one of the most highly, heavily represented, if you consider his other half uh, on the show here uh, uh, with the Beer Download crew. But but anyway, uh, so yeah, New Year's Eve beers. Like, what is a good New Year's Eve beer? I was asked that. I was thinking about that for the show today. And everything I kept thinking was... I just realized I was just trying to make it as champagne-y as possible. <laughs> like high life. Right, exactly. Of beers. Right, right. So I I don't know. I, I brought a champagne-esque beer, but is champagne for whatever reason good for celebrations or is it just that I mean it tastes good is, is and this then the it was champagne-esque marketed. Esque beer? I don't think no, it's not. Is that, it's chilling that one down. with the cork? No, that one I brought, That's a good which is also a champagne-like beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Typically, what we do is we just get a Jeroboam of something. Okay. Chimay Blue. We did one year. Stone Double That's Bastard. Cool. Another something year. special. Something special that we <clears throat> toast. And if people don't want a beer toast, we also offer them champagne. Yeah. It is fun to have something with a, a cork in mm-hmm. it so you can, yeah, kind of pop. What, what exactly. did you call the bottle? A Jeroboam. Jeroboam? Mm-hmm. Yep. The comically large bottle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's names for all of them. There's like, and they're all named after, or most of them are named after like ancient kings. So there's like Balthazar and so different different comically large bottles are have different names. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They in proportion to the king's ego. Ooh. Now I don't know if they're named the after. Yeah, like whatever kings. I think they're all like biblical kings. Maybe I don't know. Sure. I don't, I don't know the Bible that well, and I don't know old kings that well either. <laughs> Me either. But anyway, yeah, comically large is good. I think a Jeroboam is three liters. I, so I what's a five-liter bottle? Um, Man, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find that out. You can look it up. You can look on <laughs> There's Wikipedia. definitely a Magnum and then the Jeroboam. Okay, so a Magnum is a different size. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, ma- uh, I think a three-liter Jeroboam is a double, also called a double Magnum. Um. With, never mind. I'm, I'm going to leave that. I was going to say something else could also be considered <laughs> no, a double uh-uh. magnum, but I'm going to leave that away. Uh, let that be. Dump. <laughs> Let's yeah. officially introduce Matt. Yeah. Good, thank you. Segway. Um, I'm, this, this is what happens when I'm trying to type <laughs> he in did, bottle he did, size. He did technically yeah. introduce me. How you been, Mr. Arata? What's uh, new I'm with good. you? I'm good. Drinking beers here and there. How's uh, you know beer download going? Uh, where? We still do episodes. Uh, we're we're putting them out every other week. We did a series with um, with Goose Island, all about Bourbon County Stout and stuff like that. So we split that up into three episodes, and another one will I think air this this Sunday night Monday. What did you do uh, with uh, the BCS stuff? Uh, we did um, kind of a tasting between um, 
between rare, which is technically, you know, um, two years aged and then fresh BCS, which is about one year aged and then Mm -hmm. an older BCS, which was technically, you know, about three years aged. So, you know, try them all, uh, head to head. And, Uh, or do we have to listen? No, we, 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 we put out that episode that, uh, that we talked about it. You should listen to it, of course, at beardown. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, uh, uh, the, I, the, the fresh BCS, uh, won it for me. It always does. Yeah. Um, I, I would guess that that would win it for me. Too. Yeah. And it's, and for me, it's not enough different. I mean, the rare is not enough different for it to warrant being a special thing for mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you and I were talking, Chris, today about how I don't like, I, I run the barrel aging program at Five Works, but I don't really like cellared barrel aged stouts or barrel aged anything really. I, yeah. I, I like barrel aged things. It's not cellared ones. I don't know. Something they mellow out too much for me. I like them when they're sometimes very upfront. Every once in a while, some some cellaring will do something for a beer, but it's really kind of a crapshoot in my mind. I think there's definitely beers that do well with age, but I but barrel aged beers where stouts, it's, yeah, I mean, like stouts or or barley wines or you know something like that. Not necessarily you know lambics or something. I'm not sure, counting sure. those, but. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's a barrel-aged beer that I think gets better with age. Well, it might just also be me being a little like a control freak. I mean, like, well, I put that out when I thought it was ready to drink now. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's let what... let it die in your closet? I mean, I've heard that, and now I hear that from you. I've heard that from other people is, you know, when it comes out in the bottle is usually when the brewer thinks it's the best to drink. Right. I, 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 I think that's true, obviously. Do you guys want to hear the, uh, the names of the, the bottles? So Jeroboam is Jeroboam is the double magnum. Uh, I think it's the it's the first. There's tiny ones. There's like a piccolo, a Chopin, a demi, a tenth, a Jenny. But I'm talking about the big guys, and that's when they start getting named after biblical kings. So I was right. Uh, Jeroboam, who, as we all know, was the first king of uh, of the northern kingdom. Goes with that. Oh saying. yes. Yeah, and there's a. Rehoboam, um, and then there's a Methuselah, uh, Salmanazar, Sal- who's cool an Assyrian name. king, yeah. a Balthazar, Nebuchadnezzar, Melchior, Solomon, uh, I guess uh, Goliath, which is not a king, but he is biblical. Which could I, have been. He never ran. And then the biggest one. <laughs> never is, ran for king? No, he didn't. Um, he definitely did not. Uh, Mel, Melchi, Melchizedek. Melchizedek? Yeah. That's the biggest. That's, um, <laughs> no, no Bible training in you at all, Chris. Uh, How did you know? No. <laughs> so, How big is that one? <laughs> well, a magnum is, well, a standard is, um, one, uh, well, 0.75 liters, and that is, uh, 30 liters. A Melchizedek is 30 insane. liters? That's insane. That's a barrel. That's it's like a, a barrel. No, that's like a. Isn't that a half barrel? Oh no no it's um no it's no it's a barrel. Aren't fifty liters half barrels like equivalent? No um oh right a fifty liter You're is a half gallons. barrel. Yeah yeah I'm thinking gallons. I'm thinking gallons. Yeah it's still a <laughs> it's still, still a huge big bottle. Yeah yeah it's basically um in between like a a sixtal and a quarter barrel quarter keg right, right, but right, as a quarter. single. Single bottle. Yeah. But are they showing those as champagne bottles how, how or you, beer? How do you pour that? Um, 
there is, I don't I know. I think they originated as I think those are champagne. champagne. Yeah, yeah. Bottles. I think they're I think they're champagne bottles, and a lot of them are cartoony, and I'm sure they're just done for for marketing. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, and there's a picture of like of of Clicquot, uh, uh champagne, and they don't even have like the, some of the super crazy ones. But there's quite a few. Uh, anyway, so that was fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's your so, biblical corner for right. the yeah. episode. The yeah. holiday season. Yeah. So let's... Um, Melanie, if you could get a Melchizedek bottle for next year. <laughs> it might we'll fit in the door. So for those of you who uh, listen to the show regularly, you know, you know that we talk about uh, beers that we're interested in lately. For those of you new to the show, you've already tuned out because you're like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? Um, and, uh, but, but we're going to do a different, different spin on it. Um, I want to know what your beer of the year was. Not, your, it, not necessarily your favorite beer. What was the beer of the year for you? To you, to you, not for you, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Like, kind of, like I was talking about it last week, like the, the, the time person of the year isn't necessarily say that it's a good person or a bad person, just it's mm-hmm. the person who was, you know, the biggest entity that year. So, sure. um, so for whatever reason, it could even be a style, I guess, if you want. I'm giving you many liberties here. Very proud. Uh, I'm not sure what mine is yet. I was kind of trying to think of mine, but uh, I, I think I know what mine is. But does anyone want to go first? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, What's up, Matt? So, I mean, you, you put this Ballast Point Grunion here on the table, which reminded me that that was not the Grunion, but a Ballast Point beer was probably my beer of the year, which is not what I was thinking when I was coming in. I was thinking that uh, Half up. Acres Gone Away was maybe my beer of the year because um, it has some pedigree and stuff like mm-hmm. that that happened this year. Um, yeah, you know, the change its name three times. Three times. And uh, so that was, I thought that was going to be my beer of the year, but. And maybe it still is. The beer I definitely drank the most of probably was Sculpin. Um, okay. Ballast Point Sculpin. Um, you know, and, and I'm pleasantly happy that I can get a, uh, a nice, small, cardboarded six-pack of Sculpin at a lot of places. Um, grocery stores, binnies, small shops, a lot of places have it. And You're going to allow this, Chris? He's talking about other liquor stores? Yeah. I said yeah, small a lot shops. Of <laughs> All sorts of places. Let me list them for Sorry, you. I didn't yeah. step I've on got a time. new site. It's called uh, <laughs> Not Beer Temple Finder. And wherever you are, it'll tell you beer st- stores that aren't the beer temple. <laughs> Where will you not see Chris? Yeah. No, it's fine. Um, I, I do I, acknowledge the existence of, of beer stores that I don't own. Yeah. And for I mean, now... Yet, good stores that I don't yet own. <laughs> Chris has big ambitions. Chris, I would yeah. I would drive to your store and I would buy at your store all the time if it was somewhat closer to where I lived or worked. So fair, fair enough. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that was it. Was I like, mean, either either Sculpin or uh, or Gone Away. Those are my those are my beers of the year. So IPAs um, in cans, one local. One from about as far away from Chicago as you can get domestically. Yeah. Um, Which is no longer an independent brewery. <clears throat> True. Another story of the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, just so it, it's interesting. And I'm curious to see if that's going to continue. Uh, we're talking about, we'll talk about year and stuff a little bit more. But that is something just today I was showing someone uh, IPAs. Just very, very beginner. Wanted to do a beer tasting 
with her friends and just, you know, you know, I want an IPA. What's an IPA? Is that an IPA? Is that an IPA? And I was trying to show her what some IPAs are. And I kept just, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. They were all local. And then I was like, well, let me try to find some non-local ones. And I found Surly and Sculpin. And after that, I was like, well, am I really going to point this out over something local that I know is going to be nice and fresh to yeah. somebody who's, you know, a beginner. Yeah, with the style, it's very important to have fresh in a store that very much right. relies on fresh beer, and so much so you put the date on the yeah. six-packs, it'd be kind of hard to... I mean, we had beers, several options that had been packaged within, you know, 48 hours. Right, especially because now there's so many good hoppy beers in Chicago. It's right. mm-hmm. silly almost to drink other ones. Right. At yeah. least when you're here. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, that was, yeah, I was not, uh, so we have the canned grunion here. I was so excited. We dropped it off. They dropped it off today. First time we ever able to get the Ballast Point grunion, which we've talked about as, uh, if not me, other people have talked about how it's their their beer of the week or whatever. Now available in cans, now at a lower price point. And I'm like, oh, man, it's going to kill it. Drops today in my store, um, two months old, almost. Like that's that's the fear. Like that's what you have to start thinking about. Like why? Yeah. Why? Why? why yeah. Why? Why? Why, why like, did it take two months why? to get in your store? Have a? Am I going to have a stack of it that I can blow through because I can tell people this is two weeks old? Mm-hmm. Is that? Or I'm just going to buy it two one, days old? One one case at a time. Is that uniquely a longer amount of time than it was before they got bought out to get to your store? Um, it has gone generally longer it's like kind of snuck up yeah yeah it's been getting longer and longer um in general their their dates in chicago yeah um but uh interesting and it's just something that i think breweries and distributors have to play that game you know they never want to run out of beer which is something where most don't um i know i remember sam Joni saying he liked uh, every market to run out of beer once or twice a year. And mm-hmm. he kind of forced it to happen to make sure that they were clearing out all their sure. back stock, which I think is a, in a way a brilliant idea, but it's very contrarian because the, um, kind of the, the standard practice is never run out of beer. Absolutely never. You never run out of the product ever. Right. Well, I guess it depends on whether you're talking packaged or draft, you know, if right. you're doing it on-premise or off-premise, with so um, many people yeah. rotating, you're going to run out of it regardless. It's not like they're looking for another six to of 90 On-premise, I think, is even more important to them because if they have a handle and they can't give the keg, they lose that handle, will they ever get it back? That I understand. But for, like, bottles or cans, like, who cares if a single store doesn't have it for one week? It's a, it's a view of, like, how they think consumers... Buy beer. Where if they go to the store and it's like, oh, there's a grunion this week. Oh, well, I'm never I'll never buy, buy that I'm again. Gonna, well, I'm just going to buy something else, and then they'll become a consumer of that. It's a thought that that craft beer consumers don't constantly change what they're drinking, which is I think is untrue. Right. And the way you're going to keep them is by having the beer taste the best it possibly can. Right. And when you're talking about these incredibly delicate beers, and I will say, grunion is really bulletproof. I mean, this stuff for two mm. months old tastes amazing. Could you pass um, one of those down here? I think you've got one right in front of you. Oh, oh, oh I'm drinking it. <laughs> no, I'm, I, that wasn't <laughs> I, I said it in front um, of him. He didn't see it. So, uh, so, And there's glasses behind you. Um, 
Let's see. Oh, you aren't taking the beer temple glass. You no. took the competitor glass. Okay. That's yeah, cool. you put all three of these down. I'm here. kidding. It's a brewery you carry. Yeah, no. it's your choices you make, Chris. No, I like I like the shoots. I'm Free will, and they're no not illusion. a competitor <laughs> at all. Um, so uh, where were we? Um, so beers are good. I think we were talking about. Yeah, I think yeah. we finally got to that point. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, it's it is. I just think something I. I have a big problem with is as soon as beers get to be very popular, I feel like they, their backlog, they become almost, it seems to me, who knows, this is when you need a distributor on who actually knows what they're talking about, but it seems like they're more, as you get more afraid, they have more of a buffer. So it's like, oh yeah, we're always getting it in, but then you never get it fresh because they're always working through that three week Buffer. Sure. It's like putting a vinyl sticker on something where there's a bubble over here and you push that bubble out, it just becomes two different bubbles and you can never really get them all off. So it's either you can't get it, you can only get it fresh and not as often, or you can get it all the time and it's not always as fresh. I think it's kind of hard to do both. Right. Right. Or the good parts of both. Right. I mean, it takes a from lot of California. Skill. Local. Yeah, from local. California. You know, yeah. who, you know who was amazing at doing that was Lagunitas before they built in Chicago. There, it's interesting. They would be like a week or two weeks old every time it showed up. Interesting. So whoever was doing the ordering or working with Lagunitas at Windy City, the distributor for Lagunitas, I mean, you should go and do consulting because it was just it was perfect every time. I stopped looking at the dates huh. when it came in. I mean, we'd still mark the dates on them later, but like I used to check every single date when it would come in, and I'm like, oh, Lagunitas, no, it's always incredibly fresh so it's amazing yeah um but yeah it's a it's a struggle so even so you guys out there check check those dates man mm-hmm. check the dates and, well, I mean, and it, bring it up to your the person at the store this problem is the same problem that several industries have it's the newspaper problem you know we don't want to don't want to make too many copies you don't want to have too few um it you doesn't want- apply to all consumer products because lots of things can sit on the shelf for a long time but uh but beer is kind of like newspapers Kind of, but but the news, well, isn't worse if you read it. I no, understand. But from, from a cost standpoint, from you don't want to you don't want to make a hundred copies if you're only going to sell fifty because it gets stale. And you also you don't want to run the paper like the headline the day before if something happens late, and then the headline's gonna, the other paper's going to sell it because it's the new news. Or maybe like a bakery. It's like a bakery. How much do you bake every day? You have to bake in the middle yep, of the night. Okay, yep. You know mm-hmm. how much bread? You know if you make too much, then you. Throws in the trash, make too little, then you sell out before closing time yeah. and lose business. Or you just get a three-week-old stockpile of bread and sell everyone stale bread, which is, I guess, what they've they've chosen that option, I guess, some of these distributors. If people like, want the bread more I love than that I'm just lobbing bread. bombs at people. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, mean, I don't really, I'm simplifying. I don't. Spelly, what was your beer of? Uh... <laughs> yeah, right? No, I'm kidding. I, mean, I, I guess people out there listening don't see that I'm, there's a smile on my face as I say that. I don't literally believe that. Um, I did literally say that though. Uh, um, anyway, let's let's move on. Uh, who's who else has a beer beer of the year? Uh, well, I'm gonna go for you, the, the home team here. As for me, it's a uh, Lizard King. Yeah, and it's a uh, it seems like the obvious choice, and it kind of has to be for me. Not just because I work there, but because of how important it was for us as a brewery. Uh, it's the first beer we ever released that was only in cans. We had some draft release of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had no following beforehand. Ninja vs. Unicorn came out, and that was important for us as well. Uh, but that, you know, that had had you know 
two plus three years mm-hmm. or two to three years of of following, and this actually has outpaced it in our production now. So it's uh, you know a hypothesis proven that we would do okay in cans, and it's a delicious beer, and it's doing great for us. So. That's awesome. I was um, was going to do. Do you mind if I go next? Moment? No, go right okay. ahead. It just it's a nice segue because I was thinking about for me, it, I wanted it to be a new beer uh, or a newly packaged beer, something like that for this year. Because it was going to be probably on a jungle boogie, but I it can't. It was yeah, last year. That's what I thought of as well. But it's uh, last year. Yeah, it's old. Well, news. I had it first first time this year. This year, right? Think, so, um, it's but mine. but yeah, I mean, Logan, you would know. Like, I, I think it was last. It was 2014 is when it came out first, right? In bottles, late. It's I, very. Yeah, at the very very end. December very, 31st. Very end. Yeah, <laughs> December 31st. So almost a year. I was thinking about day. that. I was thinking about Lizard King. I was, but really, if for the so pipe you went Lizard King. No, I I didn't. And <laughs> if I was going, if I was going to do a pipe or beer, it was going to be Ninja vs Unicorn. And Ninja vs Unicorn so was the one that with. came in second for me, first loser. Uh, and I think in hindsight, because at the time I remember thinking like this is going to immediately redefine the beer scene here in Chicago. There hasn't ever been a beer that kind of came onto the scene. Um, certainly a local beer that instantly kind of changes things, at least mm-hmm. in in its area of influence. You know, it's it's not in Target, so it's not going to affect things there. Um, and it was uh, it was amazing, and it was also uh, from just a a, a move like a, a throughput standpoint or a pull through standpoint from my store. I've never I'd never seen anything sell that fast. <laughs> That's awesome. Ever. Um, I think we sold what was it sixty or seventy 70, cases, seventy five, five cases in in a weekend. Oh yeah, it was like two days. It wasn't even a weekend. It You're did, still doing that, right? Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, we have a running uh, <laughs> order of seventy five cases, and we bring you a ten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we decided to do ten. Um, Sorry, but uh, but yeah, still that was to fill that first PO. <laughs> yeah, but that was. Um, that was my number two. I for me, number one had to be Bourbon County Rare, just because of all the stuff that ha- that happened with it, how big a release it was, how much time I put into it, um, and other people put into it, um, and yeah, I mean, just that to me was the beer of the year. I mean, it. it I don't want it to sound anticlimactic, but it was. Uh, yeah, just the. It was your beer of the year. My yeah. beer of the year. Yes. Mm-hmm. The beer of the year for was me. Wizard King. Yes. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, and I've only had a couple ounces of it. I drank it at Fobab, and that was that was it. That's the only time I've ever drank it. Don't you? Have, I thought you had a bottle somewhere. I have a box with a bottle inside of it. <laughs> so I still have one, uh, but I think I'll I'll probably <laughs> give it away or. How much that box cost? Sell it or something. <laughs> I think. Let's do the breakdown again. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Uh, anyone can go back and listen to episodes 16, 17, and 20. And 20. listen to, uh, to me and uh, Mike and some other people talk about that beer uh, at length. Uh, which is why for me, yeah, it was, it was the beer there. Because like, what, what to me did I spend the most time thinking about? And, which is funny because I got like, it wasn't a sales thing for me. It was just, that was the, the biggest thing. So uh, how about you, Melanie? You're up. I'm going to kind of... Sp- shift gears a little bit, um, not talking in absolutes as the beer of the year, but for 
for us I'll and for local as well. I'm going to say uh, Five Rabbits Chinga Tupelo for us. Yeah. Um, just because of what it represented and how it just sold and brought people together and kind of affected change mm-hmm. and sent some profits and money over to the International Latino Cultural Center here in Chicago mm-hmm. um, and kind of gave a big, we'll take our beer back from you, you person. You person. You person. You person. You haircut. You haircut. That's a good Talking one. head. That's a good yeah, one. And that's for me, I think, represents Chicago, represents the, the smaller breweries in Chicago, and it represents the grassroots community of beer, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it was beer transcending beer a little bit. I think so. It's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do have to say those are all awesome, They, including my own. Uh, <laughs> but, they're, I'm, but, it, but they're wrong, including my own, is what I meant to say. So that, that, was a, that was a better uh, beer and story of the year beer than, than mine. Uh, <laughs> you win. Um, because I think those are maybe our beers of the year, but... If That's you think about it, what was the beer of the year? What's your criterion? I mean, one it's got to be not your father's, right? <laughs> not a beer. <laughs> to be. Not a beer. It has to be. Not a beer. It's not a beer. It is, according to Ooh. IRI. Yeah. I got problems with that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, we she make, we make a, a couple of It's labeled as a beer. <laughs> <laughs> we make technically make a couple of malt beverages, because we're not allowed to call them beers, according to TTB. Uh-huh. And they get to call theirs beer. We right. even have a label where they didn't approve it as beer. And on the label, a barrel has beer written on his tummy. Mm-hmm. And they made us take that off the... Uh, I think you might have gotten it back. They made us take that off the label. So the label couldn't say beer anywhere on it because it wasn't TTB approved as a beer. Uh, it wasn't bittered uh, with hops. But it had hops in it. I don't know. <laughs> I just... The whole right. They're frustrating to me. Yeah, I mean, hops in it is is one thing, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that it's not a beer by by your standards or anybody's standards, it, it Mike, has to be by the government though, because they have the word beer on it. Sure, no, no, I'm saying uh, regardless of that, I don't think it matters in terms of that being whether it's a beer or not doesn't mm-hmm. matter for it being the beer of the year because I think it opened a lot of people's eyes to the potential um, for how these beers can sell, who they can sell to. How to think outside the box because they sold it as a craft beer. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's the beer of the year, whether it's a beer or not, because it was sold as a as a craft beer, mm-hmm. and it blew away everybody's sales numbers. They instantly went national with it in terms of somebody being able to scale. They sold, went national, and just dominated the the sales. I mean, they were outpacing. I think Lagunitas IPA. There was there's a list that they came out with, it, and Didn't it was just a like down Miller Light or something. It like wasn't that for Miller a while. Light, but it might have been like you know like Modelo and a couple of like Miller products. They were, and yeah, it was it was um, astounding, astounding. And I don't think they're going to keep that pace, but I don't think you need to Incredible. if you can get like an opening, you know. Uh, a box office weekend like that, so mm-hmm. to speak, is I mean, okay, yeah. we've made our money, right? Um, and so, I, is it not your father's root beer or not your granddad's root beer? Not Which your one? Granddad's root beer was—is that Sprecher's? They're getting sued. Yeah, some. So it's not your father's, right? So Sprecher's is a hard root beer, and they're getting sued. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I can see why by uh, not your father's because I think there's like a tagline on it saying like this ain't for your granddaddy or something <laughs> like that. Like really, guys? Yeah. Like, Just grab onto that one. Yeah, right. along. <laughs> um, but uh, and I, I think you're going to see more of that sort of thing. I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but you're going to see more attempts uh, to recreate that. One, I think you're going to see more attempts to uh, obfuscate, obfuscate and try to co-opt what craft beer culture is. And I also think that you're going to see more styles outside the box um, of what like a craft brewery may put out, even an experimental one um, like Mars or, or any of the, the, the breweries that we were talking about with, with these. Um, I mean, Ballast Point, uh, Pipeworks, Mars, Goose Island, Five Rabbits are all very experimental um, breweries. Right. Um, but I don't think any of them would have done that not your father's root beer thing. And I think there's going to be other guys who are going to look at that as well and, and maybe try to do it. I don't know if they're if, if it ever got, we're going to see that again. Probably not that big of, of a boom. Right. But I think it's going to happen a lot probably. Right. Yeah. You're and, not going to see exactly the same methodology, the exactly the same rollout with the same kind of product because now everyone's going to look for it. Man, but you, right. you, it was so under the radar. It, it, it wasn't, um, so like every time something comes out, are you going to, I mean, this took people investigating and there were rumors for years going around on about this beer. Well, the rumors before weren't like, ah, oh, it's someone else owns it. And, uh, it was just like, oh, they're putting vodka in the 20% one. No right. one, no one right. questioned that it was a guy out in Wakanda or whoever he is. Well, um, for until very, like in the last year. No. He's been doing that for a while, hasn't no, he? No, I heard when I first was talking to somebody about that beer a long time ago, it was an industry guy who I think sold a competing product uh, even back then. And... He was talking about the setup, uh, about the materials that were being used there, uh, about the cleanliness of the place, uh, all stuff that ended up being true. Sure. Uh, but he was saying, like, yeah, there's this something is fishy. Yeah, something fishy. And then I heard from another person, like, oh, yeah, that's fusion. You didn't, you didn't know that? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's for Loco. Right. So, but, but anybody. <laughs> bring that back. Right. <laughs> It's still around. It just doesn't yeah, have booze in it. Or yeah, caffeine. Yeah. That's what it is, yeah. Um, you so they said that like, <laughs> Well, I never got to try the, the, the caffeine. Oh, you missed it. We had some oh. squirreled away. Really? Yeah. <sighs> Somebody drank it finally, we've been, though. We've been trying to get some at Pipeworks, actually, and it, it's it's very difficult to find I'll some I'll check original. to see if there's any left. Because you can't get it on eBay like Dunkaroos. You have, to, like, have you looked at mybeerseller.com? No. <laughs> because we've be been awful. trying very hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I don't like cellared beer, though. vintage. Right. That's true. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see if, if people are going to try to recreate that, not, not just do a, a root beer, but something that we haven't thought about yet and have it be essentially a alternative or something similar to that in the guise of a craft beer, in the guise of a craft beer brewery. Um, did you say alternative? Yeah. yeah. alternative. Yeah. How much do you think the success of that had effect on the value of 
ballast points canned cocktails. Do you think that was factored into it mm. at all? I wouldn't think so, but I mean, it certainly could be possible. Sure. Goose um, Island's doing canned cocktails too, right? Are they really? Yeah, like I didn't the Limerita. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is that Goose Arena? Slow roll. <laughs> yeah, that was a slow roll. It's one of the sisters now. Yeah, Margarita. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Sorry, Goose. <laughs> um, so, uh, hey, I mean, get used to it, guys. Oh, I mean, I don't think that stuff's going to go away. Um, if there is one of those products that is going to hit in the next year or two, it's probably out right now. Yeah. And so True. look for it. Well, I mean, do you, okay, so here's another thing. Do you think someone's going to have the patience to do the really kind of grassroots um, insurgency that, that, that this did? Because this started out at festivals, at very local beer events that were focused on local beers only, um, which I guess that was being made local probably at the time. And Sure, someone will try it. It's now yeah. a somewhat proven model. I don't know how like, Have they applicable it is to other things. Sorry. Sorry. Have yeah. they parlayed it into the ginger beer? Isn't there? They're trying yeah. to do like that, a, but I right, don't know if like that's the, taking off quite the same way. Yeah. Um, I don't think it will because it's not the same thing because no one grew up drinking ginger beer. Right, right, um, but I, I, I but everybody agree. at one point, you know, had some fascination with root beer, mm-hmm. and so it's that's ingrained into into the culture already, and so that's just capturing it and and exploiting it. Right, and I think it's it's also a good point to make that the a beer of the year because it brings to the surface something that makes a lot of people in the craft beer industry very uncomfortable. And that's like the idea of we all believe very much in like these are our friends doing it and the story is great and like that they really believe in it. Once you get to a larger audience, when it's how it's scaled that big, do people really care that much about that? Yeah. Because this got exposed and it's still selling very well. So does a large audience really care about the same things that the people who are already passionate about craft beer care about? And is that going to be, you know, a hindrance or something to yeah. craft beer really getting to that point. scale at that yeah. point too far. At some point, yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like that story is never going to be a national news story because no one cares. Right. And that's the, I mean, right. It's like, do they know and do they care? That's the, that's, those are the two questions, right. you know? Yeah, yeah they don't yeah. know, but they wouldn't care anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're not buying it because it's craft. Right. So, um, or they're, they're not going to not buy it because it isn't craft. Now, but to start with, I think they did, well, we've listened to episode one. Literally, this is also full circle because we talked about this episode one, yeah. but they definitely talked. That was me, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they used, I think, some influencers there, like with these 10%, 20% ones. Um, like I, I mentioned, there was uh, this hardcore trader, beer collector, mm-hmm. ticker guy who was talking about at when he went down to Hunapu Day and they had double barrel Huna and all this huge crazy bottle share and overwhelming majority beer best beer on the table not your father's 10 20 whatever percent one now wouldn't it be Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Wouldn't it yep. be awesome if like it came out that they did pay like 50 guys or something like that to just be what do they call them brand ambassadors mm-hmm. or something like that and to truck bottles around to different places right. and and Up talk about it and stuff like that ratings and then use their influence. Uh, you could you could do that. Uh, you could do that with relatively little money too. You wouldn't need a lot of money to to kind of start a 
a true like insurgency like that. Sure. <laughs> Fitz was on the last show. Can I buy him? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, Johnny. Evelson. The good thing about Fitz is he's did. in incorruptible. <laughs> I'll kidding. say. So uh, he wouldn't do that, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure you can get some guy who uh, would. Um, so let's. Uh, are you guys ready to move on? Are You're you, the host. You yeah, more yeah, to say. But that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? Um, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One okay. thumb sideways and two thumbs up. Oh, okay. All right. What, what do you else do you want to say? Oh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> okay. You just want to be contrarian. <laughs> That'd be good. Um. So. Uh, I, I was going to talk about what the uh, the biggest beer stories for the year were. Um, you know, what will 2015 be known for? I think Not Your Father's will be something that 2015 will be known for. Um, mm-hmm. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. What are, for you guys, some of the memorable moments of of 2015? Um I think the the biggest stories have to be acquisitions, mm-hmm. and particularly two breweries getting bought for valuations of a billion dollars yeah. piece. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which is, un- I mean, well, how long ago did Goose Island get bought? Wasn't it like sixty million or something like that? Yeah, I think that was that like was two thousand ten. So how quickly ago. that escalated to a billion dollars? Yeah, that's. I think that's got to be the main story. Yeah, I, and it, it yeah. went sixty. Then what? Well, well, uh, Boulevard was a hundred million, or something like that, and then now it's a billion. Yeah, it's and amazing. Firestone was two hundred and fifty mil. Uh, isn't that it's estimated though? That was a private sale. Right? Sure, sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it it kept going uh, up, 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 up. Um, so it was. Let's see. So just to list them out, there was uh, Elysian. There was. Can I zoom into this? Can't you, like, Actually, Goose Island was 2011, 2010. Was yeah. it? <laughs> so that um, wasn't that long ago. Mm-mm. Yeah. I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Full Sail, Oscar Blues, um, Abita, Bronx Brewing, Small Town Brewing. Um, this isn't all of them, but uh, Firestone. Um, there was, I guess, Left Hand had some, uh, some level of... Uh, some sort of deal going on with them as well. I mean, between everything, bringing in private equity, being sold outright. Golden um, Road, Breckenridge, Camden, Lagunitas, mm-hmm. Ballast Point. Yep. Odell mm-hmm. brought in outside money. Dogfish did as well, 15%. Golden Road bought. St. Archer bought. Heineken uh Bought fifty percent of of Lagunitas Alpine, even on that small of a scale. Yep, Alpine, which is another very interesting one because it's a small, not a huge brewery buying another smaller brewery. Yeah. It's not like a private equity firm or a monolith buying. Something. Yeah, yeah, but I guess the ones that were outright bought or just acquired were yeah, Elysian uh, looks like uh, Abita, Firestone, Lagunitas, Saint Archer, Golden Road, Ballast Point. Uh, uh, I don't see what this... Oh, uh, Four Peaks, Breckenridge. Um, so, and I guess... Yeah, I don't see... It's funny, I don't see Alpine on this list. But Maybe they totally were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, of the straight-up acquisitions, one, two, three, four, five, were ABM Bev, 
One was Miller Coors, now AB InBev. One was Heineken. One was Duval. And one was Constellation Brands. That That's it. So Constellation picked up one. Heineken picked up one. And AB InBev did all the rest. <laughs> they bought a lot. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, did Green Flash buy Alpine or did they just... They merged. Kind of merge. But they bought them. They bought them. I, I, yeah, I, I think but they're they still brewing as Alpine. Uh, they're brewing as a label Alpine. If you see the bottles, they're actually in Green Flash molded bottles. So they're definitely brewing them at Green Flash or else they're doing some sort of weird uh, <laughs> bottle share <laughs> sure. type situation. But they are still brewing at Alpine, but for the tap They room, are, right? Correct. And I think they're, they might be doing some bottling that they sell out of the... Out of the Sure. Storefront there, um, but the stuff we get here is is brewed at Green Flash. I'm almost certain. Yeah. I th- oh yeah. I am certain of that. Um, this grunion's pretty good. Yeah, grunion is pretty. <laughs> it good. Smells excellent. Yeah, it's good. yeah. Just like I just just pouring for in two the, months it was, old. Right. It was like it's insane. Two, it was like two feet away. I poured it in the glass and it just like wafting up and smelled excellent before I even drank it. it reminds me a lot of this Lizard King. It's that mosaic, man. Almost as good as this Lizard King. It is. <laughs> This Lizard um, King's three months old. <laughs> two months <laughs> no, and a day it's like old. Th- it's like three days. Yeah. Um, so I, I would agree. I mean, acquisitions, I think, are probably the number one story of the year. Yeah. Um, Just in, in number of amount of times it happened and dollar valuations. Yeah. Unlike anything. Um, and do you think that's going to continue? in 2016 i mean is this kind of over or is it just like was it a burst and then it's done or is it like going to keep buying them up i think it's just the beginning yeah i think it's a burst i think it's i i mean i want to think that for a b at least i mean it might continue on with other buyers and certainly private equity events and stuff like that but i think for a b i i want to say that they did a bunch of deals and they want to kind of sit on them and look at them for a little while. I mean, why just keep doubling down and doubling down and doubling down on the same strategy without kind of evaluating how it's going? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I would hope. I mean, that's yeah. how I would do it. I wouldn't just throw all this money and continue throwing money and continue throwing money at it. But they've been doing that for decades. They've been, yeah, but they've never bought this many breweries all in. Yeah. And they bought three in the second half of December. So I don't think that's just going to stop in january necessarily i would be surprised if the frequency keeps up at the same clip it was throughout 2015 but from like the start of craft the craft beer in earnest up until like 2014 it's definitely going to be more than that was i don't know if it'll stay like like (laughs) three breweries a month that's probably not going to stay that sustain that nor do i think there are a lot of breweries out there that will warrant a billion dollar valuation and when they if they if there are and they do sell it will be a a huge story Mm mm-hmm um, I think there's probably only a handful, uh, maybe four or five that might even be close to that, given what we've known. So, uh, I mean, Ballast Point was in a top five brewery. Sure, but they had a whole other wing of those cocktails, which are super valuable to a company like Constellation Brands. Sure, fair so. enough. Fair enough. Um, what do you think that these uh, purchases? Do you think that it's going to have any effect on? breweries that are not purchased but i mean are people going to look at, at a billion dollars now and think well you know we can still stay true but 
these guys seem to like breweries that are doing X, Y, and Z. So why don't we just add X, Y, and Z to what we're doing? Why don't we just expand our growth a little bit more and become a little more regional and make ourselves a little more ripe? Not saying we are going to sell, but hey, man, if someone wants to come to us with $500 million, then okay, better us than the brewery across the street. So I think that's so dangerous for breweries to start thinking like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you got to where you got partially by being the brewery you are not trying to make yourself look valuable to Mm -hmm. a larger brewery and to play a guessing game of what they find valuable. What they found valuable last year may not be what they find valuable at the end of next year. So uh, you also might lose your equity in your brand if you start doing weird stuff that you have no business doing and start putting out some mediocre to less than mediocre beers because you think you should have a sour program or Mm -hmm. you think you should Mm -hmm. be doing... X, Y, and Z that you saw get bought up by whoever. So, uh, it, not saying that won't happen to it, some people. It's definitely being talked about. Yeah, among breweries, I, I've a couple people that I talked to about GABF when they were out there said that yeah, those kind of the terminology that goes along with you know market cap and you know I don't know profitability and. Per barrel, and mm-hmm. I don't even know. I'm so bad at that. I wouldn't even know what to say. <laughs> crushing I had to pretend, yeah. Money stuff. Yeah. Dollar uh, sign, dollar yeah. sign, dollar sign. But, but the, that was just, when you heard people talk, like conversations, like those were the conversations you, were, you kept hearing. You kept hearing people talking right. that, that kind of way. Well, I guess um, it just goes back to what they got in it for, got in it for the first place mm-hmm. for. You know, are they going to stay true, like you were saying, to their base that's mm-hmm. helped them get that far? Or are they going to sell out? You, Man, there's... that's so, it, that rolls off the tongue very easily. But imagine if someone no, came to you with a billion dollars. Oh, yeah. I mean, we would sell for a billion dollars. Well, no question. Are you kidding? I know. Billion dollars. Yeah, but I'm not going to change my business model Sorry. hoping that somebody's going to come with a billion dollars. Correct. I'm not going right. to say, oh, wait, that place just got bought because they did, like you said, X, Y, and Z. So now I'm going to shift gears and hope that if I do that, because that's not what I'm right. in it for. That's not the purpose of my business. However, if somebody came to me with a million dollars, I would probably sell it. Okay. Now, what about guys starting up looking at like Golden Road? Someone who was three years old, had explosive growth, uh, and was bought for presumably a lot of money mm-hmm. very early on. Do you think we're going to see breweries that are being formed to sell? I mean, they already ha- it already was happening. I mean, a lot of people said that about Golden Road. They were they were made to be sold. For um, me, this is what scares me when people talk about a bubble. Uh is like speculators or people who see that there's a lot of money possible in craft brewing and the scene changes to people who are like this that will make good beer and will grow their business, and then all of a sudden they're like, wait, why didn't I sell out to Budweiser? Why, didn't, why aren't they looking at me? Uh, and the people who were in it beforehand, like we were talking about how the, the scene's different, but it doesn't mean those people aren't still there. Uh, as long as they don't get caught up in that, the people who are doing it because they really love it, those breweries will stay around. It's not going to crazy. Um, there was a, a really good letter that we got from, uh, well, he wants to be referred to as Crash. And uh, <laughs> I'll just... I'll just Read, read it. It came read, in. Read us Hi, Crash. Line. Yeah, it came in uh, today. So uh, you guys have not heard this. It's not on the outline or anything. But uh, he writes, Hi, Insiders. First of all, 
Um, how long is this? this? Is quite. I didn't go down. <laughs> all right, it might take a little bit. All right, first of all, um, uh, first of all, I want to say how much I have enjoyed your podcast, your guests, and all of the insight and conversations it has produced. The opening tag mirrors my philosophy on beer very much, and hearing you guys uh, do your thing is very much the highlight of my week. Thank you. I've been in and around the craft beer scene for over a decade, and I've been fortunate enough to not only enjoy it, but also make a living out of it. I started out as a buyer back in the uh, early 2000s, and uh, I am still uh, a craft uh, beer bartender and have recently made the transition to marketing and consulting. One thing I love about craft beer is the David and Goliath conflict that continues to evolve. Um, I think that's a, was a very interesting thing that he said. Uh, the little guy versus the big guy conflict has always been there, and hopefully it always will be. Um, he said, I don't want to contribute that to the story in your podcast. God knows it does not need more airtime. Well, we already said it, and we've already talked about it quite a bit. Uh, but he said, but looking back to when I started as a bright-eyes, bushy-tailed kid to now, I still hold on to my favorite source of innocent excitement that, for me, defines craft beer, rebellious innovation. Let's face it, guys, there's a lot of average craft beer out there, and really, how many goddamn IPAs do you need? For me, the next big leap in craft beer has yet to happen. I love the exploration and innovativeness in the American brewing market, and to say uh, and to say it has changed the brewing world would be an understatement. We all see what the Goliaths are doing, and we can even go so far as to write blogs based on the business models that they are using and what, that, and what might even happen. What I don't see is craft beer innovating business as much as they are beer. What I don't see is the vivid imagination of craft beer brewing culture doing much other than reacting to it. My question to you is what happens next? As the rare beers in the world continue to become Pokemon status bottles and the IPAs continue to grow into bro beers, are there any game changers left? Again, I love craft beer and herald my brewing friends as artists. When people are more concerned about taking a picture of their beer than sharing it. And when an IPA that is being asked for on tap isn't there, so they just turn to light beer instead, I can't help but watch in amazement and wonder where the next chapter will go. I hope I have contributed to your already runneth over cups. Cheers, Crash. Thanks, Crash. Cheers, Crash. Thanks, Crash. Um, there a lot a, in there. There is a beer called Game Changer. Yeah. Who who, who makes that beer? I've uh, Craft beer... Um, Craft uh, beer makes that beer? No, craft, uh, <laughs> beer, craft, beer, craft Brewers Alliance, Alliance Association, whatever okay. they're called. Yeah. For, uh, they made it for like Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that. Okay. Oh, got it. Game, it makes game, sense. Game changer. Uh, yeah. Game got changer. It. So they rebranded an existing beer and named it Game Changer. Yep. That's cool. Pyramid wheat. By the way, guys out there, don't want to burst your bubble, but that's what is happening to almost all of those beers. <laughs> this is our house blonde. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just the beer they already make and they give it a different name. Uh, so, um, do you, for, I, I thought that was interesting that he liked that David versus Goliath thing. Mm-hmm. It, it gave something. And I think it, it makes it, it a good story. It makes the whole community and the whole, everything we talk about into a really good story. Um, and it makes you feel like you're a part of something when uh, you are drinking uh, a beer, you know? I, I look a little further into it, and I kind of think that it's it's what we l- would like the story to be. It's what we would like to for to continue being, right, and stuff right. like that. And that's exactly what he says. Um, I hope it stays that way. Yeah. And it's just not gonna be that way. I don't think it's not. It's not always gonna be this this fantasy thing. It's 
I mean, that's this small guy versus the big. I mean, yeah, there can always be new players that come on, but uh, the kind of renaissance of craft beer is kind of coming to an end here, and now we're, I think, getting into the uh, industrial age or whatever's next. I don't know if that's true for... uh, Yeah, I think the bulk of it will probably be like the industrial age, like you're saying, like, like... Scaling and breweries making things like Lizard King are you know not as innovative as some of the other stuff we've done, but I think it's a percentage thing. So as the overall pie grows, a smaller percentage of people will be doing innovative things that are truly innovative, but the overall number will still probably be higher. Like look at uh, Chris Betts for example, Mm -hmm. going out to transient. Transient. Yeah, if that had happened five years ago, it would have been one of the few breweries doing that in the country. Now it's just like. Uh, well, you know, there's a billion dollar valuation here, and Chris is going off and doing his thing, and it's gonna—I'm sure it's gonna be amazing. Another one of my beers of the year was gonna be that Arden Apricot Arden, yeah, uh, that I had a great taste. That was one of the best beers I had all year. But like, people will be doing like innovative things at a larger clip uh, than they've ever been doing them. But the overall scale of what's happening in craft beer will will kind of not bring those to the service like they used to. I would so love it will take more effort to seek them out. Yeah, I would love to see a. I, I very much agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, I would like to see a, a chart of number of cool ships in the U.S. Because I'm sure that has absolutely exploded in the last well, 12 months. Yeah, that that's an interesting one. Too. Yeah, I mean, so we're going to start seeing a lot of spontaneous beer here in mm-hmm. in the states, and I'll say most of it will probably suck, but some of it will probably be. Amazingly right. good. Exactly. Like there, if there are four new cool ships a year that are really good breweries, that is more than a million percent more than there were in the last yeah. twenty years. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, maybe not twenty years, uh, but like that. And if there are ten that are bad, like that, you just gotta find those four. You're gonna have to wade through a lot of stuff to find. Yeah. It's gonna be more more noise, less signal necessarily, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And and some of the noise will kill some of the signal. True. Absolutely. And that's the, I mean, we've talked about that too. I mean, I, we just have to understand that there are going to be casualties, one, and those casualties aren't only going to be bad beer or mediocre beer. Good, innovating breweries um, are going to, not that you have to be innovating to be good, good breweries, for whatever reason, are going to go out of business. Um, well, especially things. if you're talking about something like places. sours and cool ships, because there's also a weather is a mm. contributing factor mm. that they are experiencing at Cantillon. They've just had to dump right. thousands of barrels of beer because it's warmer than it should yeah, they, be. They so couldn't brew, cool. right? Because it yeah, wouldn't cool. It wouldn't cool off enough. So, you know, hopefully the weather in Michigan will cooperate right. for Chris. Yeah. But No, and uh, I mean, to, to that point, like, it's going to be people who on one end can make great beer, but also have the business acumen to run a business. Yep. Uh, and I don't think that's ever been super unique to breweries that succeeded. They're just more of a, a, a magnifying glass on what's going on. Well, I now. think Crash alluded to that in his letter, mm-hmm. saying you know that the craft community is just reacting to it. Sure. They're not making new business models. They're not. I, I you know, take issue with that because I think breweries are making new business models. Our brewery is a new business model. We were funded through Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. We self-distribute. We still self-distribute. That's a brand new business model. It wasn't even legally allowed until right before we opened. Mm-hmm. So I think that breweries are finding ways and those like, finding ways to succeed and to thrive. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
whatever legally possible. So I think that they are, as much as they can, finding new business models. Okay. Do you think that'll continue? And like the taproom business model in Chicago, when Half Acre opened that, that was a new business model in Chicago. It wasn't new nationally, but no one else had a taproom that where you could just come get a growler and go away. People are innovating in that space. And the ones that are doing that are ones that are going to be, that are becoming very successful. Would you guys think... No. It's become commonplace after a while because everyone's now there's a bunch of self distributing breweries. The bunch every brewery has a tap room. They become you just so assimilate to the new thing so quickly now. Right, and I think that's the is. next thing for next year. It's like is what's what's it, the all one? the yeah. Davids are going to have to have their own tap room. They're going to have to self distribute in order not have to, but I feel like there's this movement where more local places are just opening their own tap room and they're getting their beer out there the way that they beautiful. want it. Out there, beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. So, when are you gonna have your cool ship? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> pipe works. Um, <laughs> yeah, then we'll get that nice Dunkin' Donuts air wafting in. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, well, what do you guys Dang. think? Sour. Donut yeah. beer. Yeah, us and uh, <laughs> we're rogue. The would, we would you say there's any truth uh, to the idea that um, maybe this year, this past couple years, let me say, has been one of the only times where maybe isn't that important to overall success or to just stick around and not be a good business person to not have exceptional beer. Um, I think it's probably somewhat easier to survive recently, but I think that's coming to an, uh, an end for a different reason than it was before. Uh, before you probably had to be a better marketer than a business person. Now you have to be a better business person than you have to be a good business person and a good brewer. Why do you think that? Why do I think that before you had to be a better marketer? You had to get, sure. you had to get people to try your beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, before it was like, I'm going to go to the store and craft beer is a thing I'm looking for. It was like you had to somehow convince people to come in and try your six-pack that was double the price of someone else's. Okay. And create that culture around that. Like Greg uh, Stone and Sam at yeah. Dogfish Head, like they had to fight for people to even take a look first. Now you can go to beer menus untapped. Totally. All and these places, it, well, and you and can see what other people think about that beer, and they know that sp- spending six ninety nine as opposed to two ninety nine is worth it. Right. And the consumer knowledge has changed to such a fact where people go in looking for that, and they want to drink craft beer. Just before it was like, it'd be like, wait, what is craft beer? What are why why do I want hops and things? It's, it's, it's right. a whole different thing. Now you have to have a good brand and a good or, and or a good beer to either be in a big store or have to be a good beer with a good brand to be in a small store and have someone. Uh, like Chris say, well, you should buy this one, right? And that's where the business the, mm-hmm. comes in, so, so yeah. getting into the right channel. You can't just be a beer anymore. Yeah, no. and and just knowing knowing you know how the money's going to come in, how it's going to go out, and making sure that that stays going the way it's supposed to. Yeah, that's not an inherent skill for a lot of people who just want to make beer. Absolutely, yeah. And that's the other thing. I think that uh, I think people are going to realize that it's. Uh, it's now it's it's now a business. It's not it, it's a movement. Before it was like such a movement that I love this beer. I want to be part of it too. I'm jumping in. And I think some of that stuff is you started to see people falter and be like, "Okay, let me so this is how it is. Let me maybe bring some people in who are more business-minded and kind of give it another give it another push." Mm-hmm. Um so I think that we're going to continue to see it, but I I'm hoping that you're going to see more organized and well thought out uh attempts at kind of putting stuff putting stuff out there so um anything else before we take a break guys it's been an hour already 
I have I have a story yeah. to to come back with. Okay, to come back with. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, good the, good the big big Illinois story. Oh, for, all right, for a big break. Illinois story. When we come back on the Beer Temple Insiders Roundtable. Welcome back to the Beer Temple Insiders Roundtable. I am Chris Quinn, and I am joined by Mike Shalau, Melanie Dominguez, and Matt Arata. Thanks for coming in, guys, and sticking around. I also should say that you are listening to 105.5 FM, WLPN, FM, Chicago, Lumpin' Radio, The Lump, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, So, all right. Uh... Matt, uh, bring it. What, what, what's this, uh, this cliffhanger? The okay, so it's a uh, big story for Illinois, and maybe a big story for you, Melanie. Uh, happy hour happy is hour. now legal again mm-hmm. in Illinois. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's happened uh, <clears throat> midsummer. Was it July first that it was July first that it went back into effect? And what? Is, so explain what happy hour. Well, is legally in legal so terms. i've only ever lived in illinois uh See, so I I've, I've never yeah. experienced like happy hours really uh, and what they could be or what they might have been in the past um but essentially uh happy hour is a period of time during the day um where bars have certain specials and you know to get people in the door during a time of the day that people might not normally come into the bar they did away with the happy hour because what was happening was the late hour bars were upping their prices when the 2 a.m. bars would close. And so they just made it a law that you can't change the price throughout the day. If you have a special, it has to run of from alcohol, the time. Right. right. Yeah, you, you can, can do, do like it with food, food deals or something. Yeah, right? but with alcohol, you can't change the price at any time during the day. So you could have a special that ran from the time you were so open to the time you were That's on-premise, right? Closed. I think off-premise, I think, still can. Well, no, that now that happy hour is reinstated. I think off-premise always could because there's the liquor store. Uh, I mean, I don't think it really matters. Thousand Liquors. I mean, I don't know how long is, has happy hour been illegal for? Uh, it's like the 80s, right? Okay. Yeah. 89? Late, late 80s. Yeah, because yeah, I always thought it was crazy. They have on their price tags on the shelf, they say, this is the price after 2 a.m., this is the price. Right on the right on the oh. tag on the shelf. On, but this is I a think, beer store. I, I think off-premise places have a lot more leeway Yeah, that. Like, what's that beer, Miscuous, that has two different prices if you're taking it out or if you're going to drink it in the store? Right, yeah. So they must true. be allowed to price it differently. Yeah, yeah. But but bars, I know, couldn't. And I know happy hour in, in Philly was just get the after-work crowd. Get them in, you know, so... Right, get them to buy as much as possible. And then and they it stick was a, around... Uh, get it w- their it was, spouses angry. It went away, well, <laughs> some history. perhaps partially because of the late night thing, but also because Mother Just Gets Drunk mm-hmm. Driving got behind the effort to mm-hmm. get get rid of the drunk driving after work, I guess, because um, apparently it was a huge problem. Mm-hmm. I think um, that it is a problem. Well, yeah, it is a problem. Still, it, whether it, you're lowering it, the prices or upping the prices. We don't need to get into prices, drunk driving yeah, as a problem. We're all on board. Drunk driving is a problem. No, but I'm not arguing. I'm not. I'm not defending drunk driving. Um, <laughs> I wasn't being contrary. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, and a drunk is still gonna drink beers and still gonna get drunk no matter uh, how much the price is probably. Right. Um, but now it's uh, now it's it's legal again. Now now bars can now have special times and do special things with limits though. 
I don't like that was the other thing is there weren't a lot of limits back in the day. Uh, what are the limits now? You can only have 15 hours total for a week of happy hours. You have to advertise seven days in advance of what your happy hour is going to be, unless it's going to stay that happy hour continually. And you can't have a happy hour past 10 o'clock. Okay. Are the, the basic and there's ones. some price price limits too, I think, isn't there? You can't like you can't give it something free. You have to charge for it. I know can that. Can you charge a penny? You can charge a penny. And you can give people the pennies that you're gonna charge them to. Wait, what? Yeah. Like you can have a so, jar of pennies on the bar. Uh-huh. And just give them the pennies and say, you know, you from six to seven free it's pennies penny with draft. every one penny shot of Okay. You know. So you and can people are gonna do that and people are gonna get people messed up. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, whatever. People I mean, like you said, I'm with you, been, man. I mean, people are gonna get drunk. It's been going for six six months or so though, right? Had there I don't been really like, feel up, like up in no. drunk driving accidents? Well, I'm not gonna say people are gonna drunk drive saying drunk. I'm saying it's gonna get people drunk. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know what? I feel like not really not a lot of places have really taken advantage of it because they had their specials for their day anyway. Right. You know, I mean, we did, and we did a thing, you know, with Malort and Spiteful as our first happy hour, and that was kind of like the Chicago thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I don't, we don't really... I don't know if craft beer is as affected by it because the, the margin's kind of the margin. You're not going to be like, yeah, $2 pints yeah. of well, Spiteful that's, Malevolence. That's kind of what I so tell I, people. I, you know, if I can charge you less at this time of the day, then I'm overcharging you. Every other time of the day. <laughs> right. I price it at the price that I have to price it at, right. at you know, the price I pay for it. Um, and I think it's going to catch on. I think as people get more used to it and start seeing examples of people doing it effectively, other people are going to do it too. I, and I think it'll start downtown in the loop. I uh, I happened to go into Rock Bottom right after it went into effect. Mm. Downtown and, uh, in the loop. <laughs> yeah. Mic drop. You predicted right, that. Pre- right preemptive. Now. He you, might say, and just, I saw no difference. You just predicted what was going to happen six months ago. Good job, man. <laughs> and they didn't have a they didn't have a happy hour, so I had to walk out. No. <laughs> you know what? Can you cut there were mic? no specials. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I went in there and uh, and no, she no, gave me the bill and shit. I was like, this is like, I don't know, six dollars or something like that. And I was like, and I had three beers. I'm like, oh, happy hour. Oh, nice. So I mean, uh, different places can can utilize it differently i think um like a, a brew pub can can get away with with charging less i think mm-hmm. uh at a different time of the day because their margins are different than right. than than a bar's margins but um you know so it was interesting i mean you can utilize it to bring people in at certain hours and you know if, if you're getting somebody in there and spending four dollars on that beer and 10 people are coming in spending four dollars on that beer is better than nobody coming in spending five dollars on that beer mm-hmm. so sometimes yeah. you take that hit just so that they can spend their money on other beer as well. And, you know? pr- and promotions are often to benefit other things too, as mm-hmm. in rock bottom might be trying to push food more or something during right. the happy hours and food is regular price and, you know, get more food sales or whatever. Yeah, I mean, or and, and beer might be the $2, but everything else is regular price. Yeah, I mean, not everyone's drinking beer. So mm-hmm. Chicago bars used to do happy hour food stuff all the time. Right. Uh, so you would come in and you would buy the full price alcohol because they had to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ten cent wings. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah. But that is uh, and I wouldn't have never thought about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, any? What other stories are out there? Is there? Does anyone else have have another big story for? Or is it just acquisitions and happy hour, and then that's it? I think we can talk about a lot. They go of hand in hand. It's we the bars and restaurants closing in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, have there been a lot of bars and restaurants closing in the city this year? There have been. Oh. Yeah. 
Wow. Didn't Goose Island Wrigleyville? Uh, that was, was that yours? Yeah. 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 So that was that was that was a That's that was a big a, one. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's a big They technically closed do, once, but then they reopened back for 2015 season. Right. right. But for the lease and all the rooftops and all of that they're going through stuff. I think I guess maybe that's two different issues, Wrigleyville. And now Clyborn's been bought by AB as well, right? So that's like officially, that. well, I mean, maybe unofficially. I don't know. Is it official? I, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. I had heard that they're bought. They're done. They're oh, done. Because I was in there last week being like, at least this is still owned. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's no longer independent now? It's just a... I don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so but, yeah, so Goose is closed. You know, I think that something that's going yeah. to start happening is that a lot of the independent neighborhood small dive bars that have been around for decades are going to go out of business, and bigger places are buying up a lot of the well, smaller places. Definitely in Wrigleyville. Do you think this that is, is just like how many people can we get in here, and how many how many widgets can we sell? Well, they're also for, talking about building a hotel and. And they were going to that's an eminent domain. That's like years and years. That's like the Disney World of Chicago, though. But yeah, so let's (laughs) no. But I'm just saying about like neighborhood bars as well that are being bought by bigger restaurant groups. Bigger. uh, So I'm going to try to put this in a a larger context for people not in Chicago. So Wrigleyville is kind of like well, it's right by Wrigley Field, and it is very much a mm, a hot spot. Bot kind of uh, it's it's a, it's of an interesting. Well, well, no, it no, beca- no. I don't. Wanna... It becomes like a. I would say the closest equivalent is like a like a major college football program tailgate right. during games, and it attracts um, a lot of out of towners because it's like, oh, Wrigleyville. I've heard of it. Let's mm-hmm. go there. Um, well, they, they shut down streets, like whole streets. You can't just drive. You just can't drive down them after games. Right after games, but just in general. I mean, it, it it's just lined with bars. Um, a lot of uh, I think that it, it probably skews a little younger there Perhaps as well. Perhaps that was too harsh yeah. of a word, yeah. To use um, <laughs> younger crowd, rowdy. It's a rowdy it younger, yeah. raucous. It's it's people reality. going out. You know, it's a right. going out spot. Right. It's not like a, let's go have some beers at the Green Lady. It's a different yeah. type right. of energy entirely. Everyone knows the Green Lady is like the hookup spot. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a singles bar, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll go for some TGL. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> um, we sold Scratch once, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, oh, some sad news from Scratch. Ryan from Scratch announced that he is leaving. I think he, he oh. announced it today. One of the three people at Scratch. Yeah, one of the, one of the brewers. He's uh, moving on to, to other things. He hasn't exactly said what, but he said he is going to be staying with beer. Uh, Steve Masney uh, hipped me to that oh, too bad. Uh, today. Yeah, yeah. So we like them. But, I mean, I <laughs> think it's... Uh, I don't know if it's too bad. I mean, he wants to try other things. Sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, uh, hopefully... I really hope that they everything stays as amazingly awesome, and I'm sure it will, because uh, uh, Marika and uh, Aaron are great people. And, um, but, yeah. yeah they like I, a mythological But so good luck right to... So thank you to Ryan for all the awesome beer that uh, you've had a part in me drinking in 2015, and best of luck to you in in 2016. So, uh, but sorry, I got a soft track. <laughs> no, not at all. So, uh, so I was I got a soft track because I said, let me try to make this, you know, bring this around, and then just rambled on forever. <laughs> so now the neighborhood bar thing. Do you think that this is a Chicago thing? Do you think it's something that is just going to happen? 
Is this just a trend in bars? In well, I think that what's what I see happening is that a lot of the breweries are opening their own tap rooms. They're wanting smaller things, and then they're taking yeah. one here and then another one over here and then another one over here. And restaurant bar groups are mm-hmm. buying up smaller areas that have existing licenses because that's always an issue in Chicago. So I think that perhaps it might be a Chicago thing just because it is so difficult with the city and the state, mostly the city, to get a new license. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just going to be a tavern, if you're just going to do you know, packaged goods, that's another license that's difficult to get. Mm-hmm. Late hour license is impossible to get. So mm-hmm. if you can get get one that's already existing, then that's, that's a, a good thing. So, I mean... I didn't see it happening a lot in New York, but I maybe wasn't paying as much attention. Okay. So. Uh, it, it might be something where now there's money in craft beer. It's the same thing. It's the same thing that's happening with the breweries. Um, maybe they're seeing it with the bars now, too. Maybe on a local, a smaller scale, you know, you're having these restaurant groups come in and buy out your bar and put in you know, their other bar. Um, right. And, you know, because there's, there's, there's money, to, money to be had there. They know how to do it, and they're going to come in and, and execute their concept. And, um, you know, it still might be a, a great bar, but it isn't going to be the locally uh, private. Well, it could be locally owned, but it's not going to be owned by the person behind the bar. Right. You know, anymore. Right. Um, but and you I know what? And I think what? it's like an end of an era, like with, Goose Island, Wrigleyville, the closing. N? Oh, oh, that. like there's oh. there's certain things that like the the dive bars are kind of a Chicago thing. Mm-hmm. Not that they're exclusive to Chicago, like but corner neighborhood, corner neighborhood dive, bar. dive bar that the guy's been sitting there for fifty years drinking the same old style. You know, that's not a thing. Every that's a thing everywhere, right? Not as richly as it is in Chicago. I really, I feel like it's yeah. more ingrained. I mean, oh, oh yeah, right. Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Philly has like. Tons of them too. I, I don't know. Urban areas. It's more I think. I think that yeah. there's dive bars everywhere. I think that they used to just be called bars. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and as as we have grown up now, we don't think of them as as bars anymore. But but dive bars simply because they're older or whatever, and you compare it against a brand new bar, which mm-hmm. is uh, you know not an old bar. So uh, how do you guys feel about dive bars? Uh, I mean, they're they're great. Uh, it's like a lot of things that open now are opened with intention, and the intention other than just to be a business that sells you the what you want to drink at that moment. You know, there's like a concept, there's food that fits the concept, there's this, there's decoration that's nice, and dive bars are a, a very like it's a we, it's a very drink. it's a very ironic thing for uh, of my generation. Like we want authenticity, but. but we don't really all the time. You want clean bathrooms, <laughs> you, but you want yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if we really wanted authentic bar experiences, we'd all be going to dive bars all the time, unironically drinking old style. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but instead, like I, I love places like Longwood and Eagle, which is a very authentic thing, but opened with intention to be what it is. Whereas mm-hmm. bars just like, you know, there's a lease up on the corner. I think I'm going to buy it, and uh, there's a bar in there, so let's just open a bar, which is uh, awesome, very cool. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know too many places that I frequent that are new versions of that that aren't twee in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that's what that's getting lost. Is that there are, it's like the, the death rate of authentic, legitimately authentic places that are just watering holes. 
versus what's coming back, the birth rate of things that are similar. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. I moved to a historically dry suburb, so there are no bars, in fact, a, in my suburb. A beer download out of a dry suburb. <laughs> yeah. You're like Jack yeah. Daniels. Yeah. Well, there are places that serve alcohol. There's just no bars. Oak Park, you can buy gotcha. alcohol, you can buy at at restaurants, mm-hmm. and there is a bar, which is technically part of a hotel, so it gets by on that. Uh, poor Phil's. Um, if you throw a, what if you like put your put a cot up and do an Airbnb? Can you get a liquor license that way? Is it hotel? Um, Sorry, that was a joke. That's one very funny. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't have a lot of opportunities to go to just standard bars or dive bars or any kind of bars mm-hmm. in in where I live. But uh, I I love them. I, but it has to be your dive bar. I don't just like going into someone else's dive bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, you know, as a, ch- I mean, this is going to sound worse than it is, but like, that was my experience with what bars were as a kid, like dive bars. They were dark. Mm-hmm. They were filled with guys and maybe some rough looking women. And <laughs> they were there odds. for, for guys went there to, to drink. And my dad knew a couple bar owners and hung out at bars and uh, some social clubs and stuff, the, the Italian-American clubs and stuff that he used to take me to. And it was, I thought it was like, the, I thought it was really fun and I didn't ever see anything seedy or bad. I mean, my dad brought me around as a kid and it wasn't like I was seeing these terrible things that I shouldn't see. I have very fond and vivid memories and I don't ever remember seeing somebody throwing up or being rude or being right. abusive or I'm sure it was there were people who had were overserved there I'm sure there were alcoholics there but uh I would see that more at the bowling alley than the okay. bar okay right um but <laughs> but yeah I guess maybe I, I that's the like closest it. thing that I have to a dive bar is <laughs> it's the, bowling the bowling alley, alley. yeah there's well, a, yeah. always a bar in the bowling alley but they're yeah. they're usually like way more well lit to me dive bars oh. are dark not the ones in no. Michigan. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Well, I have a I have a friend who is very into going to dive bars, and it sounds very contrived, and I thought it was too until I started going with him and realized the reason he loves going to them is because like these people aren't there to necessarily drink a craft beer or to have like the this bespoke cocktail. He wants to go and like see what real people in real bars are doing, and when I, it's like, oh, this is pretty cool. So we started doing that, and I. Like I love I love going to dive bars for that reason for the people of it and this like the having a normal like un, right. uncurated experience sure which is and dive bars I think Matt put it right because I think it's just bars Cheers would be considered a, a dive bar really if it just was a little darker or whatever I mean it was just a bar and there's regulars and you you went there because you knew the people and you like to hang out and. Yeah. It's a third place. Yes. And it's a public house. Yeah, public house. Which I do think we've definitely lost. And dive bars and U.S. bars are certainly not that. It's not like when you go to Ireland is what comes to mind for me, where it's like almost like a, a, a not a, town hall is a little, is a stretch, but it, it's a public space mm-hmm. where if there's a big soccer match, game Thing I don't know what they, they call them event <laughs> soccer event it's like football match, match. yeah yeah match. sports thing um I mean there's like people are are going to they're not going to just watch it on their big screen they're going to the bar 
and maybe sit in kind of crappy seating. I mean, I saw like just seats lined up facing the thing so they could all kind of be together and they brought their families and the kids were running around with jerseys on and, and stuff like that. And it was, I thought, really, really cool to see. And I would like to see that come back. Uh, yeah. And I would love to see. I think craft beer is definitely pushing that envelope as well as, as bringing the family back into beer. And sure. I would definitely like to see that. Now, that said, uh, I I want there to be no certain bars that are just no child bars. I really respect that about certain bars. I mean, I love the map room and I love that it's a no kid bar. Mm-hmm. I would love to have brought my kid in sometimes because I want to go to the map room and I have my kid. But hey, man, this is for adults and we're here to drink beer. But um, uh, yeah, anyway, somebody just emailed me or texted me literally about what we're talking about right now. It doesn't work that way. Uh, I, I've, I've always been are. on it for a long time. Oh, it's maybe, maybe, <laughs> of maybe my opinion has changed a little bit, but I've always been uh, kind of of an opinion that babies don't belong in bars and mm. don't bring your baby in a bar and stuff like that. And certain bars that still stands, I think, and other bars maybe it should be more loud. But yeah, I I, yeah, I want to see I want to see both. Just like there's more of everything you were saying in craft beers, but you I want to see more of that in craft yeah. beer. Bars. I think the bar makes it pretty clear whether or not it, that your baby is welcome. Like yeah, you're not, you're not bringing your I baby think there's to a time Delilah's and a place. or anything like yeah. that. But right, to so the half acre Saturday tap room, night. absolutely, or to you know. Something like that. Edmar's Insta letter said regarding bars. Uh, as the He's working, just not even, doesn't have to walk in here anymore and he gets on the air. As the working class has been eviscerated, bars have closed. <laughs> lack of factory job, lack of drinkers. Tell him to stop staying home and playing video games and go out to bars. Right, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Edmar. Come on, Edmar. <laughs> um, let me read uh, another letter. And... Uh, not not an insta letter. That's what I call texts. Those are insta letters. <laughs> um, so, What's this letter coming yeah. across my phone? Uh, so uh, for those of you who want to join in the discussion or comment on something that we've talked about, uh, insiders at craftbeertemple.com. And uh, yeah, please. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. Email is so slow these yeah, days. Yeah, it is. Um, I've heard that. I've heard the kids don't even use email anymore. So this guy doesn't what are these even. Emails? So Kyle writes. He says, uh, <laughs> "Hey Chris, hope all is well." For the subject of my second letter, I thought I'd ask something that will cause less consternation than my previous letter. I'm not going to say what it is, and it's not because I don't know. It's because I want you all to go back and figure it out. Who's out there? Someone waving. Oh, it's like hey. USA Today. Hey, um, yeah. It's not right. The Today uh, Show. Everybody, yeah, there we go. Everybody <laughs> always talks. USA, though, well, so. what, what people don't know uh, who are listening is we're right by a big window, and there is a little bit of like the Good Morning America thing where people come by and grab your attention and want to wave and stuff or, like or that. Or USA Today. Or USA Today, <laughs> the newspaper. The newspaper. We brought it right back to the newspaper. Five yeah. hotels across the country. If it's like country. USA Today, they're going to be like, wait a second. Medium, I don't know. You're going to go outside, and at the foot of the door will be one folded. Just and then, wave at the end yeah. of um, anyway, he says, everyone talks about, everybody always talks about simple, delicious beers being the kind of thing you want to drink when you don't have to, when you don't want to think about it. And I love that. And what he's talking about is when, uh, we ask what beers are, have you been into? It's, it's kind of a, an overarching theme is that the people on this show, these, the insiders want to just have well-made, simple beers that are going to taste flawless every time. And they don't want to think about it. That's kind of something that I've said. I just don't want to think about it. I just want to know it's going to be good. 
And, um, and, and he says, and I really love that. He says, but what beer do you drink when you really do want to think about it? Is there a certain beer or style you always go back to when you want something mind-blowingly complex and worthy of contemplation? From watching the video reviews over the years, I assume that for you it comes back to Bourbon County and any well-made goose, but thought it might make for an interesting discussion. I think that's a, a great question. Um, I think one point I'd like to make off the bat before we get into like their specific beers we yeah. like is that uh, a beautiful thing about drinking those simple like I don't know pilsners. I'm sure is one of the things he's talking about is that you can just drink it and like and just enjoy it on a flat level, but you can also think about different things when you're drinking that. Like, why did Pilsner become so popular? Why are these beers been made for 500 years? Like, if you want to engage your brain in that way, you absolutely can. Uh, so he's asking, like, more so, like, what if, like, the flavor, like, engage that's overwhelming. Yeah, engage your palate rather than engage, like, your... <laughs> or maybe it's just me getting way into tie my own head. No, I, I completely those, agree. It's easier... It's easy just to kind of put it in, uh, not sleep mode, but just kind of, like, sit back, appreciate it, enjoy it, and just drink it yeah where like, there are beers like bourbon county you you can't just do that you don't mm-hmm. just sit back and not really right. think about what you're doing you're like oh, you're okay. not like reading a book drinking bourbon right. county. Oh, it's not like you have to like sit in like a room by yourself and like like you know furrow your brow and like or fill your brow whatever and uh, uh and think about it yeah but it is just going to jump out at you when you want to have the, the physical more. sensation of how this tastes. Right. And I want to break that down more than you're like, I want to get into like the <laughs> right. Yeah. So for you guys, I mean, when you are going to have special beers, is there something that you tend to gravitate more to, or maybe it's just, there's BFM, just specific. Bon Chien. Yeah. Mm. Anything BFM. Really? One. Yeah. Yeah. Abbey de Saint so Bon Chien. Yeah. Great beer. That's uh, like a, a, a uber strong Flemish red, kind of maybe changes a little bit every year it's as well. Amorphous sour. It's a beer. historic yeah, sour. So, yeah. I think is yeah yeah more than a Flanders red. It doesn't have the balsamic. Well, yeah. depending on how warm it is mm-hmm. or what layer you're delving into. Sure, but I would say that any any BFM. That's a good characteristic of these types of beers. Is that like as you drink them, they change, so you you stay engaged with the beer. Rather yeah. than you just, it's the same all the way through. Yeah. Which some beers can be. Or uh-huh. you just drink them so fast. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Mr. Arata? Are you still thinking? Okay. That means, yes, I'm still thinking. On the radio, we can't hear you say yes. I'm still thinking. Uh, well, yeah, there's so many. <laughs> well, we can move on. Let's, let's go. Uh, on. Do you have something, Mike? Not nothing specific, but I think it, for me, it would have to be like a barrel-aged, a spirit barrel-aged beer of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, either that or uh, interestingly saison. Like if I, I, mm. I, can, I can, it can be both for me. Where it's just I like this because it's pleasing. I know it's pleasing, but to break it into like why do I like this? What is it, was that yeast doing? But mostly barrel aged like sippers. Where uh, they become more academic for me. Where it's like okay. what, breaking it down. Like what barrel was this? How long do I think it was in there? Like did they blend it with fresh beer? Trying to reverse engineer how they did it so I get a little bit better at what I do. It's that type of thing. For me, uh, it would definitely be uh, a lambic and un. Now, unfruited lambics, I tend to be able to to kind of a little bit do both. I mean, if I could, if it was affordable and just reasonable, I could definitely just quaff lambics, um, g- good ones. You know, they're they're really bright. They're very easy drinking in a lot of ways. They have that acidity that kind of gets your mouth watering, yeah. but you can certainly. 
think about every single nuance and flavor and just geek out about about that mm-hmm. um so i for me i would say uh generally lambics for me um i've had some aged expedition stouts that are just to me mind blowing i've had some old barley wines like really old barley wines that are uh just unlike anything else i've ever had so to me some some aged beers mm-hmm. i think can can really do that when they're aged well now that's <laughs> me mr for it's, it's it's so kind of ironic um <laughs> I think it's very hard to age beers that way, which is maybe why I, when I come across them, I mean, I, there's, to me, there's probably, I can count on, on my fingers how many beers that I would kind of call up as like, oh yeah, age that, age that, age yeah. that. Um, so to me, maybe a, an aged, an aged beer. Um, yeah. And, and to me, it, it, it often comes from simplicity of ingredients and what's happening among those rather than uh, kitchen sink beers. So, like, if I want to really kind of wrap my head around something, I am not going after a stout with 15 adjuncts in it. Uh, it's just not my thing. People mm-hmm. love those beers, but I always drink and I'm like, oh, yeah, it tastes like a, you know, whatever. Yeah, it tastes like a a, 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 a mint julep or it tastes sure. like a Andy's candy or whatever. But, I mean... I know the question wasn't what don't you drink, <laughs> but what I'm saying is I think some of these simple uh, beers in terms of ingredients can, that's what gets me is like what is, what the yeast or bacteria or malt or water or hops are, are doing and, and how it just is like to me absolutely mind bending that all this is coming from just a few ingredients on a list where it's like, oh yeah, uh, this is 100% uh, Pilsner malt and Cezanne yeast. And, yeah, there's some hops, but and, and it's like, you know, a, a hard water, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And you're just drinking this beer, and, like, every time you sip it, there's something else popping out at it. So that's the other thing that kind of just, you're which to, is kind of what you were saying. Yeah, you get to experience, like, the greater of the whole, like, right. becoming something that, you know, on paper it isn't. Yes, you're up, Mr. Arata. Uh, I have had a chance to think about it, and I was trying to think back about you know some recent beers I've had and what are the ones that I go to stand by and what are the ones I like to break out and, and taste and appreciate more. And I'm going to go with like, fruit beers or fruited sour beers, that kind of range, and two specifically come to mind. And one is uh, Goose Island's Jillian, which mm-hmm. I like kind of at the top of, of the sour sisters, that's one for me is it's, you know, strawberries in it. And that's not a lot of beers have yeah. strawberries or that and or white pepper kind of, or pink yeah, pepper. And corn. the white pepper, yeah. I think. Um, and so that's a really interesting. And every time it's I try it, I, I get, I, I do really sit down and think about and appreciate how it tastes a lot more. Um, strawberries are hard to use. I'm sure they are. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then another one, um, new glares, Belgian red. Um, oh, is another cool. one that I every time I have it, it's it's it's. I mean, it's a it's a it's a drinking beer. You can buy it at every gas station in Wisconsin. But yep, um, beautiful. But it's like it's. I, I always appreciate it every time, yeah. and I always stop you know a second and think when I'm when I'm drinking that one. So, it that beer is. Um, some people kind of poo poo that beer, and I I think that beer is 
one of the the greatest beers in kind of the history of this craft beer renaissance because it embodies so much. Uh, it, it is available everywhere in, in Wisconsin. In, in Wisconsin. It, it's not super expensive. They make it all year round. They've been making it for ever. It's very approachable, but then I think very complex at the same time. Um, and here's the other thing about it. It ages amazingly, which you would not think about. I was uh, at a couple times. There's been a, a ca- there's a character. I never in the get to age beer mine. scene. I never Literally. get to age mine. I was end up drinking them. Who's brought in like bottles from the late '90s or something, um, or or maybe even like mid to late, like really old. I think mid '90s maybe even. Um, and people, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to taste like crap or something like that. And they are beautiful, beautiful that old. I mean, really old. And yeah, I was with um, uh, Fitz and and he was kind of like rolling his eyes that this is what this guy brought to uh, a beer share. And I was like, just wait, man, just wait. And he opened it up and was like, oh, my God. And I think he went out and bought some. I was like, "Okay, well, yeah. And I was kind of like what you were saying. Good luck waiting. Yeah, or not. (laughs) But yeah, like, damn you, Dan Carey, who's the the brewmaster at at Nuclearis. I mean, but how how amazing is it? Not that he intended it to do that, but just that it whatever happens, it has the bones to age gracefully. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Very cool. I like Mm -hmm. that that Belgian red. And I like the Jillian, too. Scully. Used to be called Scully, right? Originally, yeah, briefly. Yeah. I don't know if it ever got bottled under that name. No, I don't no, think so. it didn't. It was a brew pub beer or something. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, yeah, I remember the first time I ever had it. It was at a, and it 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 blew me away. It's a great beer. Um, very cool. Well, thank you for for the the letter, uh, Kyle. I am um, again. I think I might bring that up uh, again. You know, like okay, what beers do you want to think about? Um, so again, uh, insiders at craft beertemple.com thank you guys so much for everyone who has written in and i know sometimes uh we don't get to them all right away but some of them are are pretty specific and i want to wait for the right mix of people in and also uh it doesn't have to be a question it can just be something that you wanted to comment on that we already talked about uh but i really do want to no more ab stuff though yeah there's plenty of that unless you can innovate and innovate innovate your question about ab yes all right, so to bring it back around, AB. Um, <laughs> kidding. Uh, so here's the, the special beer that I was going to bring. Uh, it's uh, a very long They've only made this a couple times. Uh, it is a $60 beer. They but, make Budweiser all the time, Chris. Yeah, right. No, it's <laughs> Budweiser. come to Bud's your right. store. No. Um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, he only it's carries this style. Bizarre. So I, this was the... Um, Hipster. The New, Year's, the New Year's Eve beer. I was trying to think, and I'm not going to lie. I was like, do I really want to spend this kind of coin? But I did. Because it is for special occasions. And it is a lambic. It is then, uh, you know, normally they age the bottles for a year. Uh, They condition it for a year, uh, a a goose or a lambic, before they release it. And they did this uh, here as well. But it's uh, they brought it down to, like, the chalk caves like they have in in france it might have even been in france like they do in champagne and they they do the riddling where they uh store the beer for a prolonged amount of time at a certain angle to allow the 
the yeast to kind of collect towards the the neck of the bottle they like turn and it they turn it a quarter turn every day and and the big champagne houses have these huge automated cages on arms that they pick up the cages and they go and they like put them back into the slots it's amazing but these were hand riddled every day for a year so every bottle had a guy walk up to it and just reach out and go whoop and do a quarter turn for a year <laughs> and when people say $60, it's ridiculous. And I say, well, listen, But you're paying for the riddling. That was an intern for right. sure. Now, <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, you are... Um, talk about, like, story. You are paying for story there. Sure. Uh, could a machine have done that? Would you be able to taste any difference? Yes to the first. Probably to the second. Who knows? Uh, but the fact is that someone did go and spend all the time on this and... You know, uh, their idea was to take a lambic and a champagne and kind of fuse them together through the technique. So instead of just having it sit uh, on the lease, they had it sit on the lease, uh, the yeast, and then they uh, degorged it. So then they, uh, when all the yeast collects in the neck of the champagne, or in this case, the lambic bottle, they uh, freeze the neck of the bottle. They hold it upside down. And it kind of solidifies the yeast, and they pull it out like a little plug, and then they, then they can, uh, then they cap it. They actually put a cap on the champagne, like a beer cap, like the oversized ones, like the brewery uses. Mm-hmm. And then, then later they'll give it a dose of yeast again, a little bit of priming sugar, and then they they cork it, and that's how your champagne is sparkling. So uh, that's essentially what they do here. Uh, so it's going to be very dry, and it should be very it should be very clear, and it should be kind of funky. And I remember being kind of like toasty as well. I've had it once before. And for the listeners at home who can't see the bottle, what is this beer? Oh, uh, it's it's Bizart. Bizart. B Z Art. Uh, and and it's, where's Bizart? It's it, well, it's Biersel. It's it's Oud Biersel, which okay. is a uh, a lambic blender, mm-hmm. and it's imported by. Vanberg and DeWolf, and I think they've maybe just brought it in once or twice or something like that. So, anyway. Uh, but here's something where it could never live up to the... Uh, oh. Happy New Opa. Year! Yeah. So, anyway. I'll let you guys self, self-pour, self but I suggest pouring it like a champagne. You guys all want to? You give that one yes, to Logan. A little okay. Bit. We're still, oh, we're, we're right. still working on various <laughs> good aim. things over here. It's going to take a, a while for that one to settle, my friend. Um, so anyway, uh, so that's it. I mean, this isn't really a beer review show, but, you know, super. Look at the moose on that. I think that's a pretty good. Moose? Uh, foam. Oh. Very fine. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody wants a bottle of this, there's still at least one more at the beer temple for sixty dollars. Uh, you know what? I should say that before. Yeah. Um, so anyway, cheers. cheers, guys. Cheers. Happy New Year. Cheers. Happy New Year. 2015. Clink, clink, clink. Uh, it's funky. Very good. Very good beer, but it's got, got that kind of bready, toasty quality to it. Got a little strawberry too. It's good. Good beer. Uh, is it worth sixty bucks? 
Yes. I don't know. What Absolutely. Is, what if is you go a, buy it at Beer Temple, it's definitely worth it. What is a beer worth? But anyway. Um, <laughs> Depends on the box. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so where are we? Ah. So it's the it's the end. Damn box. Do you want to taste? We can do some plugs as well, but uh, we were going to talk about what can we expect in 2016. I don't think we have enough time for that. So let's talk about what do we hope to see in 2016. What would we like to see in in 2016? And I can go first. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I thought was really cool and unexpected this year was at the Great American Beer Fest. I think it was also one of the stories that I had uh, was despite all these mergers, acquisitions, the dominance of just absolutely tiny breweries. uh, I don't know about dominance, but just prevalence of tiny breweries meddling at Great American Beer Fest this year. And it's very easy to get caught up in uh, the sky is falling. And especially if you listen to this show, you're going to think the sky is falling, <laughs> you know? Uh, Check but, little insiders, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of little guys out there making great beer and that the, uh, the seed that started craft beer is still, is still there and it's still making the best beers or, or world-class beers. So what my hope for in 2016 is that we're going to see even even more of that, that we're going to see new guys coming on to the scene and just blowing our minds with things that we thought were already defined. Um, my favorite thing, or one of my favorite things, is when a style that is just so done, gets reinvented. And that's why I, I have to give props to, to Three Floyds. I think they did that with the Pale Ale multiple times. Pale Ale was Sierra Nevada, and then everyone else tried to do theirs, and then Alpha King came out, and we're like, people, at least here, were like, oh my God. And then everyone was doing that, and then Zombie came out, and people were like, I remember sitting and talking with John Laffler of Off Color Brewing when it first, first came out, Zombie Dust, and just turning to, we were just in amazement. But like this, these guys have reinvented the pale ale. This is like, at the, we knew it was groundbreaking at the time. And yeah. it was really cool. It was such an awesome moment. Um, so I hope to see that too. I want these, I want someone little to take a style that I thought couldn't go anywhere and just completely break the mold. Yeah, mine's somewhat similar, uh, but I want to see like the explosion or the continued growth of going from hop-driven beers necessarily to like hop-supported beers in a way where like America grows the most flavorful hops, uh, the most interestingly flavorful hops of any anywhere in the world in any quantity. So uh, I think brewers finding ways to make other styles of beer that work with that American hop profile that support the pro- the profile of the beer and the hop. That's what I want to see. I think we're gonna. I, I think we are gonna see a lot of that, and yeah. I'm excited if, to see that. If America is a terroir at all, it is fruity, flavorful hops, uh, and that's not going to change. The American palate, I think, has been calibrated to it. But I think a, a bring down the bitterness, bring up the other things that beer can be great with, and then integrate that with uh, hop flavor that have never been integrated to those beers before. That's what I want to see. 
Yeah, I think. Um, I think we. Will. Yeah, man. I, I think I. Th- like the, we're going to see more and more of it. I don't know if 2016 is the breakout year. Sure. I hope it is. Yeah, <laughs> I hope yeah. it is. Um, but uh, I mean, a couple of my. I think my beer of the year last year was, or maybe this year before was Apex Predator. And let's say great, it was Jungle Boogie that. this year. I mean, mm-hmm. those are both beers that are doing it. Right. I love when the hops and the whatever other element of the beer are intermeshed so thoroughly that you don't know where one begins and the yeah. other, yeah. you know, ends. And it's just... Yeah, it, it, t- yeah. it totally makes sense that up to this point. We had this, like, spoil of riches of these crazy hops that no one else has ever dealt with before. And what would you do? Why, you would be a fool not to just be like, let's just put all those in there. Right. But I think it's like what I want to see is people doing interesting things with that now, not just all hops. Cool. Uh, anyone Anyone else? She's pointing at me. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> called the call I don't out. know what I want to see. I yeah. kind of want to see yeah. some more uh, national recognition for Chicago breweries that aren't Goose Island or Lagunitas. Like some like some kind of like I don't know like Revolution or Half Acre. I'm, I'm not sure who else is up there distribution production wise that like could could generate like a major national kind of event or something like that that mm-hmm. would be fun to see or experience or go through because we know so so much about you know people that that work around us and stuff like that that would just be interesting to experience that kind of thing. Um, as far as as specifically for beers, I don't know. How about like a strawberry double IPA? <laughs> <laughs> we did that. We, we brought in a yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd it turn out? It's delicious. Oh, yeah. Give There's, me some. I have a strawberry um, lactose double IPA that just came in the store today from um, Nepoyo. Mm-hmm. Pretty. It's called Smoothie IPA. Uh, see, I just want a hint of strawberries. <laughs> yeah, um, strawberry so and subtle. My, and, and my my last wishes for all the children of the world. Peace on earth. No, no, that they all get into craft beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Later, it's later, like twenty-one plus. Uh, yeah, I guess mine kind of goes along with what everybody's saying that everybody here in Chicago just continues to do what they do, and that they all succeed throughout the year, and that we just uh, keep making good beer. Yeah. yeah, keep making good beer. Keep good. serving good beer. Yeah. Um, I also am going to test out a new tagline at the end. I've been thinking about it at the end of the day. Oh, here we yeah. go. Um, but yeah, here we go. But what I <laughs> oh, want to say is thanks, everyone, <laughs> for supporting us this year. The uh, The show was just kind of an idea I had, uh, and I didn't really think anyone was going to listen, and I, I honestly didn't really care. I just wanted to kind of <laughs> go out there and, and really capture. No, I wanted to Talk capture these conversations that that we've all had many many times and i know we all kind of love this and i think we are doing it uh you know uh, pretty admirably um (laughs) and uh so i wanted to thank you guys for for coming along with us and and i know a lot of you enjoy it um now for the plug uh if you do enjoy it you know go go tell someone else that you think would enjoy it um, you know, and have them become a regular as well. You know, this is our own little dive bar and this is us just kind of <laughs> shooting the shit and let's bring in some more regulars to this thing. So, um, a great way to do that is by telling someone or you can leave a review. There's been a lot of reviews, but Hey guys, if you're a regular and you listen to iTunes, leave a review, do it. Come on, help me out here. 
Uh, it helps, and just I like to read what you guys have to say. It it just makes my day whenever I read it. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you to Lumpin' Radio. Guys, they do this for all sorts of people, and Logan's getting very angry because I'm over, but they do it for all sorts of people, not just beer people. So, uh, you know, for the last time in uh, 2015, we are, are signing out for the Insiders Roundtable. So, guys, in 2016, uh, I, I am uh, saying for you guys, well, which, how should I? I don't know how to set it up. I'm just going to say. Just say it. I think it's set up. <laughs> Think while you drink. Yeah, Goodbye. Good, good one. Remember this is what we wanted. Remember this is what we said. To never be heard and seen from again, 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 again. Remember this is what we wanted. Remember this is what we said. To never be heard and seen from again, 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 again. Remember this is what we wanted. Remember this is what we said To never be heard seen from again, 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 again